one and go all right so welcome to a live here this is combo courses podcast and every week i talk about cybersecurity, mostly grc governance risk compliance and i tell people how to get into this field as a cybersecurity person making pretty good money i've been doing this for many years i've been doing this since 2000 um i've been in it since 2000 i've been doing um IT outside the military since 2003 and uh, been making six figures for quite some time. And I've been working remotely since 2014. So what I do is as an inside guy, I tell you guys how to do this today. What I want to talk about is security assessments, uh, cybersecurity assessments, which I've been doing for the private sector, public sector on and off for many years. And um, if you are interested in this, I have a book that's coming out. You can sign up for it. Normally, before I, right when I'm about to release the book, I'll give it out for free. I'll give it to you for pennies on the dollar just for some likes and some views and some some reviews and stuff like that. I'll do this with my audience. If you're interested in learning more about this, if you're interested in actually getting this book for like before I even release it to everybody, then the best way to contact me is to get on my newsletter and then I'll start releasing it and all that stuff. But what I'm going to do is walk you through like an overview of how to get into this field. Before I start, let me show you guys what I, what I have going on here. Um, if you get people asking me about security assessments, and this is something that I do professionally for large or large, medium, small organizations um, that I've been doing for years. So here's what I have. I'm showing my screen right now for those of you guys on TikTok. And I'm going to open this up a little bit later to to open topics if you guys are interested in asking questions about how to get in this field or 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 anything like that but um i'm gonna walk you guys through all this kind of stuff um but let me show you a little bit about the book that i'm writing let me see if i can find it I got so much crap going on here uh where is that book yeah here it is right here so here's the book right here um I, this is i'm editing it so bear with me on the on the, you'll see some typos and stuff right there. <laughs> but this is this is how I talk. I'll just go ahead and just write it as fast as possible and then put every just pour all of my I all of my my experience into a book and then I'll go back through and clean it up. So that's what you're seeing here. So this right here, I'm working on it. It's a longer book. It's taking me a lot longer to do. And um I mean it's just already 200 pages. So I'm in the final stages of this book. So that's that's what you're looking at here. But what I'm going to do is give you an overview of the risk management framework, security control assessment, so you guys can get an idea of this. So here we go. Let's jump into this. Before um, we start, let me just tell you the why. Why do you do security? Why? 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 What? First of all, what is an assessment? Like, what are we talking about with an assessment? So assessments are are necessary. Um, for all organizations, especially if you're dealing with people's personal information, you know, think about it, your, so, your social security or banking information. This is in, this is people's livelihoods you're dealing with, right? Information is so important to our lives. Like it's really, it is our lives these days. Our information is our lives. It's our money. It's our health care. It's our, it's our kids in school. It's our, it's the grades. Like when we're talking about information, we're talking about our entire life in this modern society. So it's very important that we know we have assurance, we have confidence that that information is being protected. So it's not enough for us to install 
the you know the uh, the encryption that we need it's not enough for us to put in make sure there's username password installed it's not enough that all that stuff all the security features are in the the physical security all that kind of stuff has to be in right that's one thing but another aspect is that somebody comes in a third party comes in and then they look at they do they conduct a scan they conduct a walk around they look at your documentation like don't you want to know that your bank whoever you bank with does assessments on the security of their systems. Don't you want to know you don't you want to have confidence that some that that bank that you put your money in, right? That you have a loan with, they have somebody a professional a cybersecurity professional like myself come in and say, "Okay, look, this uh, these servers are are good right here, but you have some vulnerabilities here. Here's how you can fix it. Here's what you can do." You know, and don't you want to know that that's been vetted? That's what an assessment does. It does they do this at hospitals, they do this in the federal government, the state government. This is stuff that's not it's not popular. It's not glamorous. It's pretty boring. Like you're you're making sure that the hospital is in line with a with a, a federal act called HIPAA, which is making sure that all of your healthcare information is being protected. Um, it's making sure that if you have a if you're in a financial institution, if you have a 401k, if you have if you know you have a loan, whatever. Um, that they are in line with certain banking security regulations that have been established because the bank's been hacked so many times in the past. So they develop all of these security regulations. You want somebody like myself to come in and, and do conduct a scan, conduct a walkthrough, um, looking looking at all the uh, personnel security, the documentation is good. And then wherever there's gaps, and there are always gaps, you go that they they're doing due diligence. The organization is saying, "Okay, we know that this is a problem here. Where can where where should we reinvest our resources? Where should we reinvest our money to fix this stuff? Do we need more cybersecurity people? Do we need more IT people to fix this stuff? Those are the kinds of things that you want to happen. And that's the reason why assessments are so important. To be honest with you, at all the places that I've worked at to conduct assessments, be they private or or um, public, public being federal or state government, whatever, uh, if they don't have assessments, if they don't have their assessment game tight, and I'm not talking about just conducting assessments, I'm talking about listening to the assessors. If they're not listening to the assessors, their, their stuff is messed up, you know? So it's messed, it's not good. So if they're not listening to the assessors, if they do not have assessments that happen on a regular basis, like annually, or whatever, or if they don't conduct their own self-assessments, because that's another thing. You got self-assessments where the organization itself goes through and says, okay, let's run a scan on our stuff. Oh man, we didn't know that this is going through. Somebody said cybersecurity hygiene. Exactly. Um, that's what it, that's another name for it. Um, and I'll get to sources and I'll get to uh, all the questions that I'm getting right now, but I want to just kind of give you guys a bird's eye view of what an assessment is, why you need one, and kind of what are the basic things that you do in a cybersecurity assessment? And if you did, you guys didn't know, if, you, if you're interested in going deep diving in this, I have a whole course about this at ComboCourses.com. Um, there's free downloadables and stuff that you can get from my site. But also, uh, there's a book that I'm writing right now that uh, if you get on my newsletter, I'll often like do like, I'll give out books for free a lot of times. I just gave out a bunch of free books, to be honest with you. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I got audio books coming out about this stuff and I'll just give free stuff away to my to my crew, to my to my audience first. I usually reach out to them. So if you're interested in that, just sign up for free. It's at Combo Courses, link in description, whatever. So let's get into this. I want to kind of give you guys a bird's eye view of what this is 
and why you have it and all that kind of stuff. So if you happen to be following me and watching this, I will explain it if you're actually listening to me. But if you happen to be following me on YouTube, you'll see all this stuff. And I'll do my best to give you a visual representation on uh, on TikTok um, until I get a, a better way of doing this. But here, what you're looking at here on the screen, and I'll, I'll explain it, is the usually the five-step process that most most security frameworks be they um what you're looking at here is one for the international standard one for the u.s standard one for retailers called pci compliance one for hospitals one for they have a security framework for every organization what you'll notice is that every one of these be they private public real real uh real estate uh retail whatever industry you happen to be in they all have assessments in common because assessments are that important. And the assessment is usually done after, sometimes before, but some, but after the security uh, has been applied to the actual system. So that's kind of what you're seeing on a bird's eye view. There's usually a process that takes place. You normally prepare as an assessor, I will prepare for the assessment. I'm, I'm gathering information to figure out, okay, where what do you guys want me to assess? Like, what is the scope of this assessment? And then we're going to develop a plan based off of every all the information that I have. I need a, to develop a plan that I work out with that organization to say, OK, I can touch these things. I'm going to I'm going to hit these items here. There's going to be a pen test involved or I'm going to interview these or that people. I'm going to come in at this time. It's the who, what, when, where and why of, of what we have to do. And then you have the actual conducting the, the assessment itself. That's me going through and asking questions and um, wa doing my walkthrough, running my scans, using my tools, all that kind of stuff. And then at the end, we're going to analyze those results. And normally you have like a post briefing where you you gather everything into a document. Like it's called a, a SAR or a security assessment report. We put all that together. We package it for your upper level management where you have an executive summary and we have all the details, all the technical details, along with remediation plans. It's going to give them an idea of how they can actually fix these things and why it's what, what we're going to do to fix these things. So we go through all of that in my course. This is what you're looking at is some stuff from the actual course that I break all this stuff down and give you very specific examples of how this works and how this works specifically for the uh, for the federal government. Um, but um, I plan on expanding all of this stuff really soon. But what I want to talk to you about is what what do you do in the actual assessment? What do you actually do? Where well, there's methods of assessments, um, there's there's specific methods that you use. And those methods and these are defined in the NIST 800, um, uh, NIST 853A actually describes this if you want if you guys happen to be taking notes that's where most of the stuff i'm talking about comes from for the federal government but um there's different methods of actually conducting this so you're going to do an examination an examination is what exactly what it sounds like you're actually observing the behaviors of people you're observing the documentation you might observe the area when if you do a physical walk around stuff like that making sure that classified information is not just all over the place, like for all the world to see anybody who walks the facility. So that's just an examination, right? So that's examination. The next one is is um, interviews. Interviews is you're talking to the subject matter experts, people who should know this. If you're talking about networks, you're talking specifically to the network guys and asking them network questions. And then you have testing. That's testing the actual behavior of the system itself. Like 
You might have somebody log in and to see if they have multi-factor authentication. You might have somebody log into a web server to see if they have a certain privacy uh, data that pops up, like, you know, having the privacy, little privacy notice at the bottom or making sure that people have consent when they walk, when they log into that web server or whatever. Um, so those are the kinds of things that you do. You're going to do examination, you're going to use te testing, and you're going to use interviews. That's what you do. And you gather all the whole time you're documenting, you're gathering all that information up and you're putting that into what's called a, a, a security assessment report. Now there's different names for it. There's just assessment reports. Um, I've, I've heard it called a risk assessment report or RAR. There's many different names for it, but essentially you're gathering all the data and putting it into one document. And then the really important part about that, that assessment report is what you're doing is, number one, you have it to where you're written, you're writing for two different audiences, a very technical audience who are going to have to go back and fix those things and a very uh, upper level audience who they just kind of want to know what the rating is, like do we pass or fail kind of thing. So um, in the in the upper level, when you're talking to the senior management, when you upper level management, your C-level execs, your CIO, your CISO, they, they don't have a lot of time. You know, they're running the whole organization. So you got to get to the point. So normally what you do for them is when you write this risk assessment report, the security assessment report, what you're doing is you have an executive summary that breaks everything down. Like here's here's when we did it. Here's what we did. Who Here's who we talked to. Um, here's the system. Here's the scope of the system. It's very quick, couple paragraphs. And then here's the rating. The rating is you guys and the rating really depends on um, the organization that's doing the assessment. There's different kinds of ratings for different organizations, even within the federal government itself. There's different kinds of ratings that you can have for different levels of systems. Like if you have a classified system, they have a certain rating and then you have um, low and medium have a certain um, uh type of, of rating that you give rating when i say rating i mean a risk assessment report um score a risk score like what is the the risk score that we have for this organization what is it a is did they score a moderate or a high level of risk to to our uh, to our assets and you would just quickly give them something that they can say okay we scored high, we scored low. Here's where we're, we're in the red, we're in the green. Something that they can, as soon as they see it, they're like, okay, where where are the problems? And that's another thing that you're going to do is highlight the main problems that they have so they can kind of focus on those things and get their score in a, in a better place. And then there's a technical piece of the security assessment report. And that part is going to have all of the stuff that you, uh, that you, all the notes that you took, all the scan results, that you that you had when you did, ran your scan, if you actually did a network scan, if there was a pen test, it's going to have a breakdown of every actual thing that you did, and it's going to explain in detail how they can fix it and where they can go to actually gather information to remediate different things on servers or workstations or whatever, right? So one of the things for an assessor to keep in mind is a couple things. You want to manage the expectations of the organization when you're conducting the assessment, and to manage the asset the expectations you need to get gather as much information before you even start on anything as possible you need to know the scope super super important the scope of what you're doing is very very important because if you try to scan their whole network it's number one it's going to take forever it's going to eat up your time and their time and and it's going to bring in all these vulnerabilities that probably had nothing to do with the actual system you're trying to assess so you want to just focus in on just that scope of systems 
So that is really, really important to get right in the very, very beginning. Otherwise, at the, the end is going to be chaos. So um, those are the kinds of things that I talk about as assessors. And, and this is not just for SCAs, people who are that's their job is just to do assessments. Um, and they want to they don't know what to do and they want an entry level idea of how to do it. It's very, definitely for you, but it's also for information system security officers, compliance people and uh, IT people, cybersecurity people who who just want to know what's going on with assessments or maybe they in their organization, they need to conduct an assessment. So this is a breakdown of how what, what your mindset should be when you look at, at each one of security control families, each system what kind of things that you do you want to look for where are they where, how to find gaps and all that kind of stuff that's what i'm talking about in the book um and in the course if you're interested link in description below and the book's coming out soon so sign up for it all right let me see if there's any questions here i'll keep this one short if we don't have a lot of questions or people watching um let me start off with uh, somebody said how do you feel about the IBM CS course? Um, I get this question quite often, and I imagine I get this question so much because IBM CS course is, is advertising the hell out of their course. <laughs> um, I think my opinion of it now, first of all, I, I've not seen the, the content of the course, but if you're, if you're starting off from scratch, anything that you read or anything that you, at this point, consume as far as information, going on YouTube, going on whether it's IBM or CompTIA or ISE2 squared. Right now, if you're in the beginning stages, everything is good because you got to learn from the start. I would say don't stop there because the IBM CS course um, is going to be the beginning of your journey, right? And the certification as well. Like it's going to be the beginning of your journey. It's not going to be the end of your journey. You don't think that you're going to get that piece of paper or that course and then suddenly magically you have a job. It should be the beginning. It should be the start of where, where you're going to begin, but not where you're going to end. So the next step after you get to go through that course, I, I would say go to something like a CompTIA Security Plus take, and then start to uh, do that one because that one's a lot more marketable and it's going gonna, it's gonna to give you a lot more industry standards that are, and when you put it on your resume, it's going to stand out. Uh, people are looking for that. I'm not, I don't know who is actually looking for the IBM CS course. Now, I'm not talking crap about it because um you know, IBM is pretty solid in this industry, especially in cloud computing and a lot of other in parts of servers and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's great that you but use it as a start. That's what I would say about it. Um, let me see. Smooth virus. Hey, man, how you doing? Um, I bought your resume marketing and got my dream job for that like a year and a half ago. man. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, it's good to hear from you. Um, I talk about you a lot, by the way. Um, he says, um, I'm walking home from the subway and I got my cell phone call from my boss that the, uh, the Fed lead cut me. What? Um, oh, there's a, you guys are doing federal stuff now. Interesting. Next morning, I turned everything back where I went off one and a half years ago. That was Saturday. And Monday morning, I had an interview and, and Monday, <laughs> $50,000 raise. Yeah. So he's talking about my. If you guys didn't know, I have a course where I walk people through how to actually get these jobs. I, I've been employed through this recession, the first recession. I've had several jobs. Um, I can't say the recession doesn't affect me at all. Like it affects the housing market, you know, so the, now the house prices are higher. 
you know, real estate, when I'm doing real estate stuff, the house price, you know, buying, selling market changes and all that kind of stuff. Or when I'm buying eggs or something, it's more expensive. But here's the thing. I'm never without a job, a high paying job. As I always have people contacting me because of the stuff that I've been able to do. And what I did was I put that into a book. I just I put that into a book that other people because I feel like, you know, it, I just put it out there so that other people can. I know that like what's happening right now, guys, is that these companies don't care about us. I mean, I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but these companies, here's my theory behind the whole thing. And I think you'll arrive to the same con conclusion. We live in a in a in a Western civilization that that is worships capitalism. I'm not saying anything bad about it, but I mean, I'm a capitalist myself. But that being said, the people who run this country are companies. They run everything. They they control our laws. They and I'm not trying to paint some kind of conspiracy theory. If if you don't believe me, look at the lobbyists. Look at look at who puts the most money towards lobby lobbying and and look at the kind of laws that they push. The fact that a company can push a law in their favor for taxes, for land distribution for everything, real estate, everything. They control this country. And I would say all the whole West. That being said, we are consumers to them. Like when we get jobs, they do not care about us because they, they have money to make. That's why there's so many layoffs with Google. That's why there's so many. I'm not trying to part, paint some kind of dystopian future or something like that. This is not conspiracy theories. But here's my mindset. They don't care about us. And we have to do for ourselves, all of us. And, and you might be working at a great company. I'm not saying I'm not saying anything bad about your company. I've, I've worked for some great, great companies who had great uh, 401k plans, great benefits, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, let's keep it real. You are a number. You you are a number, and it's not like it was in the industrial age where you could keep a job for thirty years and then they would. They would give you a pension at the end, and at 65, you could retire. It's not like that no more. You you are a number to them. You you are a you are food. <laughs> so what my mentality is like? If I want to level up, I'm gonna leave the company. I'm not trying. I'm not necessarily trying to be become a manager. To so I can so I can do more for less money. I'll just leave, unless unless their incentives are so damn good. That I that I I can't help but stay, and and that's rare. That's a that's a rare situation. I'll just leave. I'll, I'll work there for a couple of years and then I'm out. Unless there's something great. And the reason why is it's nothing to do with a lot. Of, the last job I worked for, I really loved the people I worked for. I mean, it was one of the first times in a long time I worked for a group of people I really liked. The people I was working for, they were very skilled. They were awesome. I learned so much. I really loved them. But I have to feed my family. You know what I mean? Like I, I got to do what's right by my my kids and my. They don't care about our family. They don't care about our. We're a number to them. So that being said, when you put out your resume, when you advertise yourself, um, you can't be married to these companies. That's my mentality. So that when I put out my resume, I leave it out. T typically, I I'll leave it out there. Even when I have a job, I'll leave it out there, and I'll just keep getting all these offers. And if something comes up that's good enough, I'm out. I'm probably going to leave. 
Like if some, if it's got to be really, really good. And typically I'll stay at a company for one, two years. If it's really, really good, I'll, I'll leave. I'll, or I'll, I'll, th- I'll really consider it. I'll, I'll even do an interview and then be like, nah, you know, I'm good. But the, my mentality is that we got to, we have to do for ourselves. And that means putting your resume, getting your resume straight. And that's what I teach people how to do in the book. Hell, if you watch enough of my videos, you don't have to pay anything. You could just watch my videos on TikTok, watch my videos on YouTube, on Facebook, wherever you happen to find them, and then just watch them. And I have a downloadable. I have a free download. If you don't believe I'm trying to help people, I have a my resume right now is free. If you go to my if you go to my link in description, if you go to combocourses.com, there's a downloadable resume for free. My resume that I've used to get many many jobs that you can use it as a template, and it'll walk you through what you need to do. ATS style resume, everything. It's worked for me on several jobs. These are jobs making six figures, working from home. And you could literally download that sample resume right now that I could be charging people big money taxly just to get my resumes. And I have more than one. So um, go ahead and check that out. Download it. Um, go ahead and check out the book. The book is on uh, Barnes & Noble. It's on um, Apple. Anywhere you can buy a book, it's it's probably there. So it's and it's not going to run you that much money. And the course actually is the best thing that you can do, because I'm literally walking you through exactly what I do on on these different sites to market myself, to put myself out there and everything. So so uh, that that being said, let me go to the next question here. I got some more stuff about that. But um, let's keep it moving. Somebody said I'm getting my associate in cybersecurity this summer. Uh, Will I be able to land a job with that? And he said, while I get my bachelor's. Okay, so Ali, here's what I'll say. Here's my advice to you. Number one, there's no guarantee that I'm not trying to dissuade you from finishing your degree. Absolutely finishes. It's it's awesome. I I think degrees are awesome. I know people talk crap about them, but I have a degree and um, I know that I wouldn't be able to make as much money as I do without one. Um, That being said, if you think that you're going to have a degree and just automatically get a job, you are wrong. So let me just tell you what you need to do. So number one, the, a degree is great. It's a great start, but it's it's not where you're going to stop. Right now, what I would do is take your, uh, take your get experience if you can. If there's a way that you can get experience right now while you're in school, start getting it. Because what organizations are looking for is a combination of knowledge, which you're going to display with your degree, you know, and maybe a certification or two. But the experience is what they really want. Experience is is above all. Experience is above your degree. It's going to be above your certifications. Experience is what you want to get. Now, Ali, what you want to do right now while you're still in school, this is what I did, is get experience. Go to your school and see if there's a way that you can even volunteer, like even for free. What's this going to allow you to do if you can work and like maybe imaging systems, getting rid of viruses on student laptops or whatever. Like if you work with the staff, You'll be able to put that on your resume and say you'll be able to put that as a as that that organization, university of whoever working as a help desk support and working from this year to this year. And then here's what I did. Right. Impact action and impact statements that you want to put on your resume. And then what you want to do is put start putting your profile on LinkedIn, on Dice, on Monster on all the t- at least the top 10 places put it out there even if you don't have 
a lot of experience, put it out there with your skill set. You'll be surprised how many organizations start to actually contact you. Right. This is before you get out of the out of school, because school in the U.S. right now is so competitive. It's a degree is not what it used to be. You know, like there'll be a time in 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 history where you could just put a listed degree and then you had a job. It's not like that no more. There is competition. Uh, so you you need to that being said, you can get a job with a degree, but you need to get, get the experience on there first. I mean, as well, as well, not first. So that's what I would advise you to do. Um, you're on the right track and associates in cybersecurity is awesome and keep going. And also what you want to do is list on your on your resume that you're working on your bachelor's degree. OK, working on your bachelor's, get your associates, put it on there, working on bachelor's, you know, and then um, all your skills on there too. put all your skills. And then, of course, get your experience as you as you go. That's what I would do. I mean, and that's that's what you need to do. OK, let me see. Sid says. I'm a CS student. Want to ask what are the cybersecurity salary ranges if if I know how to code? Um, so if you know how to code, this it's a huge bonus. Uh, so my man over here on on YouTube, Smooth Virus, actually um, reached out to me uh, with the ability to code. He was a an app, and I was like, oh, so you're app security guy. So application security. If if you're curious about this. Go to Google and type in application security and, and see how many jobs are out there. And they, these jobs pay pretty good. If you know how to code, that's actually a huge skill, huge skill. You don't have to be have to, you don't have to know how to code. You don't have to know software development or software engineering or have a CS degree or whatever. But does it help you? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. It freaking does. Um, but do you have to know because GRC doesn't. Not all, not all positions in cybersecurity um, require you to code. I, I don't know how to code. I'm not a coder by any stretch of the imagination. I know a little HTML or something. That that's not a coder. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I've done it before. It's just not my cup of tea. I kind of know what I'm looking at. I know the difference between JavaScript and HTML or something like that. And I, I kind of have an idea because I went to college about it, but I don't use it in my job. It's not the reason why I'm making six figures. It, coding is not part of my something I claim, you know, so on my resume. But is it going to help you? Yes. What's the salary range? That was your question. Um, salary range really is going to depend on the, the location in the country that you're getting the job at. East Coast tends to pay a little bit more. Um, and then it's also going to depend on your skill set, of course, right? They, they, it's, it depends on like how much skill set, how much experience you have. That's going to weigh heavily on how much you can barter for as far as your, your salary range. And then another thing is, um, is the position itself, right? So higher level positions being like management type positions. And then the other one's not necessarily lower, but technical positions are going are going to be a little bit more competitive, um, in that you're you're battling against other people just trying to get that job. The less people trying to get management positions, and they're actually sometimes higher stress jobs. Um, so that being said, the salary range um, depends on your experience. I would say if you are just with no experience at all, really depends on the 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 place that you're at. I mean, probably if I had to guess off the top of my head, I'd say like 70, 80. You know, but that's a little ballpark park figure and without knowing 
your skills are you at all or what part of the country you're going in i have no idea but the numbers i normally see is in the 60 70 thousand dollar range in general so um i don't know that being said i don't know i have no idea <laughs> uh let me see um uh let me see here let me see here i want to show you guys something kind of cool uh with chat gbt if i could something i just figured out let me see somebody said what is a CISO role what does a CISO role do a CISO if you're talking about a security a cyber i mean uh a chief information security officer is that what you mean a chief information security officer is typically a director that's in uh they're a upper level manager they're a manager of managers um a chief if you hear the word chief or director upper level management these are c-level positions a c-level position these guys they are making decisions that affect the direction of a company and they're usually the manager of managers they're not typically dealing with the the people who are in the weeds actually programming or the people like myself who are actually writing policies or doing scans or doing assessments they're not dealing with those guys the c-level execs are dealing with upper level managers they're dealing with your the guy who got you hired your boss your your supervisor they're talking to those people and then the people above them are the ceo the cio so a ciso is usually just beneath a cio in, in my experience, they're either on the same level or beneath a CIO. A CIO is a chief information officer, and they're handling really the funding and the resources of the whole company for the technology, right? So this is a high-level position, and they report directly to the CEO, who's the the controlling the whole the whole shoot match. And then the C below the CIO, you usually have a CISO, and that's like a usually it's not just it's one person that's in that position, but you, they have a whole department that's helping them deal with all security stuff. Sometimes I've seen the CIO be the CISO as well, the Chief Information Security Officer, but they're handling all the security issues. It's kind of can be a stressful job, but because they're dealing with like very heavy things, they're not dealing with just normal vulnerabilities they're dealing with like high level uh, <laughs> high level issues in the company like possible breach you know da data breaches or they're seeing real hardcore stuff on the company they're seeing like the real vulnerabilities the the real threats to the organization they're seeing seeing things that can affect everyone's job so that's what a CISO is. It's a chief information security officer. If, if I think that's what you're talking about, but uh, you know, so th that's what they do and that's what, where they're at. Okay. Let me see here. Is that two people asking me that or the same person? That's the same person. Um, let me see here. Um, I'm just kind of going through. I've got a lot of stuff popping up here. Um, so I'm just reading through this. I won't make this one a long one, guys. But I'll answer a couple more questions. Okay, here's a question. 
Um, Falana says, um, I just joined. Maybe this question is already asked. How do you build an entry level resume? I just finished a boot camp and I can't get a job yet. Most need experience. Exactly. So most need experience and it's not going to be a certification or one course or even a, just a, a, even a degree that's going to get you in the door faster. It's going to be it's going to be experience because experience is above all. But one thing that you can do, uh, Falana, is this. Let me show you. I'm going to show you live what I would do if I was in your position. This is not going to be you're not going to want to hear this. Um, this is not going to this is not sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to tell you the real where. You, but this is keeping keep this in mind that this is just a step in the right direction. So anybody who's going through this, who who's who's trying to get a job and who's having who's struggling, I want to show you this as well. Now, the best place to watch this is on is on YouTube because um, you can see the screen a little bit better. OK, but here you go. Here's what I would do if I was given the same situation, going through the same thing. Um, what you want to do is what I'm I'm on Indeed right now, but you can do the same thing on. Um, you can do this on Google. Just type in jobs, entry level jobs. You can do this on Dice. You can do this on any just name your job aggregator. You can do exactly what I'm about to type in. I just use Indeed because it's just easier. It's very clear, straight to the point. Um, before I do this. There's one thing that everybody should know here. Um, you, There's one thing everybody needs, and that is you don't necessarily need experience to get a job. You can get a job without experience. But what you cannot get is uh, you cannot get a job without knowledge. You're going to have to have the knowledge first. And that's where a boot camp actually will help you. That's where actually having a degree will help you. That's where actually having a certification is going to help you out. You need the knowledge first before you do what I'm about to show you. Okay, so no organization is expecting you. No, well, not very many are expecting you to come in with absolutely nothing, knowing absolutely nothing. You got to come in knowing something. Okay. That being said, let's let me show you. So here's what I would do. I would type in entry level IT. I IT support. There we go. There you go. IT, entry-level IT support. Type in your location right here or somewhere close you're willing to travel or willing to, to go to. Um, you can also type in remote, but there will be a lot less remote jobs, okay? So I would just start off. Let's start off without remote jobs. Let's start off with just entry-level and then put your state right here. You can follow along with me. All right, so we've got entry-level here. Now we're going to just hit find jobs. What we're looking for, now you're going to have to do some searching on your part. What you're looking for is a job that requires no experience. There's not a lot of these jobs, but they do exist. They do not pay well, okay? But it's a stepping stone. That's what I want you to keep in mind. It's a stepping stone. Once you get about six months of experience, you're going to put that experience on your resume, and then you're going to go for the next level of jobs, which, which whatever job pays you more. And actually, that company that you work with might even give you a raise to try to keep you. All right. But we're not done with our search yet. So now what we're going to do, we put type in entry level IT support. You can also type in help desk, IT support, whatever. But let's just start with this for now. Now we're going to say experience level. We want to say no experience required. You guys see what I'm doing here? No experience required. 
let's see how many jobs. So it went from uh, over a thousand jobs to 164 jobs. There's not going to be a lot. And if you have a location here, it's probably zero right now. <laughs> so you might even have to travel for this job. Okay. So, but in the, in the beginning, you're going to have to, it's going to be rough. Okay. And the, the organization you work for is probably going to suck. And that's why I say work there for a short period of time. Here's one that's for 30,000 in Indianapolis. Not a lot of money, but remember, this is a stepping stone. We're just trying to get something on our resume for now. Um, here's another one. IT technician working directly for the U.S. government. This might even be this might. Let me see. What is this? This might this might be a, a military job. <laughs> Sometimes they sneak in military positions in here. Um, but you want to do your own research here. Yeah, this looks like a military job. Look at look at these benefits. Military jobs have the best benefits. Is that wait? 4,000. Yeah, this looks like a military job, man. Um, that is an option. Military is an option. <laughs> um, yeah, here's another one. This is IT help desk support. You want to bottom lines, you want to get a job like this that has that re doesn't require experience. And there's a ton of them. Now, if you if you're coming up blank in your area, you just got to fix this. OK, you can type in help desk. That's probably actually a better keyword anyway help desk, try that one in your area, and then do the same thing. No experience required. Keep doing this until you find one. Do interviews for them. You just looking for, listen, let me, let me just explain something, especially to my brothers and sisters out there. Let me just explain. Let me explain something to you real quick. None of this is, none of this is easy for any, for any of us, okay? This is you're going to go to a job. They might be there might be people who don't like you. There might there's going to be there's always an asshole. There's always there's all you can trust and believe wherever you go. There's going to be at least one asshole that you don't even like their face. But what you need to do. What you what you have to do is keep the goal in mind. OK. Focus on the path. Focus on your path is to level up. Right. So if there's Karen's there. If your boss is a Karen. If there's just people who just don't like you for whatever reason. You're on a path. All right. So this person who you don't like, who don't like you for whatever, you just don't want to be around them. You're going to have to suffer through this for time to get that experience. Once you get the experience, put that on your resume. Okay, very, very important. Put it on your resume. You need to put your resume out there on uh, LinkedIn, on Dice, on Monster, the main three, but you want to put it on like 10 different places. Now, if you don't know how your resume should look or you don't know what keywords to use, I got a starter resume. You can download mine. Um, just sign up for my newsletter. It's 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 in my link in description, link in bio, link below combocourses.com is where you want to go to download my free resume and then you can use that just kind of massage the words around for to fit you but it's an ATS style resume it's been working for me for years it'll give you an idea of what kind of what kinds of things you want to put on your re resume and how to word them that's what you want to do okay um another thing you can do is this if you don't if you don't want to download my stuff check I want you to check this out right here something I just discovered um that I'm sure other people are already doing it but 
here is um this this right here is called chat gpt this is free um this is going to change the game it's going to put a lot of people out of work here real soon <laughs> it's going to be you're going to be seeing this all over google and and bing and all those guys are already working on doing this but this is a ai and what you can do is type type this in check this out i think i'm going to do a whole video about this um you can type in uh create a an ats style resume for a cyber security um professional watch watch this now it's going to give you a good template it's going to write a template look at this see this this is an ats style resume that's writing for me now what i can do with this is take this copy it put it into a word document and then um it doesn't have to be fancy in fact ats style resumes if they're fancy it's not going to help you out but this is kind of the format that an ats style resume have i would say that there's some flaws mine's better than this because objective you don't really need that you just stick with summary technical skills should go at the bottom so that's wrong um well i guess you could put them on top but you probably want to put them on the bottom because there's going to be more what you want to put is usually you want to put the resume on top here i mean the, the summary on top the skills on the bottom and then go straight into work experience but what they got right here is this see how they put the the um the the order in which they put the jobs, they put the position, then the company, then the area, and then the the uh, time frame. That's perfect. That's exactly how you want to do it. That's one of the ways you can do it, but that's that's ATS style. And then they have the education. Just says education. Doesn't say my education. Doesn't have you know. It doesn't have. It's not fancy. It just says education, and then uh, certifications, and then references on request. It, that's perfect. That's that's how you do it. There's a couple things I would fix on this, but that that's this right here is a template right here. This is this right here is a template that you could use and, and it would be fine. And I just use chat GPT, which is which is totally free for you to use. Um, anybody who's watching me right now can can do exactly what I just did. So um, that's that would be my advice to you, uh, Falana. I hope that helps you out. Now, if you want deeper understanding how to get into this, if you want more information i've got more just follow me um i've got a book that breaks all this down that's helped tons of people um i've got a, a whole course that walks you through exactly what i've done what i have done in practice for many many years has been able to get me multiple six-figure jobs sometimes two at a time to be perfectly honest i should probably shouldn't say that but i'm trying to help you all out here you know what i'm saying you don't have to listen to me but what do i know you know you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, D-Truth says, Bruce, please do a video on AI applications when you get a chance. I was just introduced to this a week ago and um, just finding out more. Yeah, D-Truth, I've got some videos coming out. Um, actually just did one the other the other night. It's going to be coming out in a couple days. I've been kind of messing around with it um, with a couple. And I, I'll, uh, I'm going to actually... Um, do a lot more with it as I learn. I'm just gonna because I'm learning myself, you know, this is kind of new to me too. So I'm learning all these tricks and stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty freaking amazing, man, to be honest with you. It's it's blowing my mind. It's blowing my mind. It's not gonna, I don't think it's gonna replace jobs. 
it's not going to replace cybersecurity jobs. I mean, it might play, replace a lot of other people's jobs, but cybersecurity is, is too nuanced for it to, I mean, right now it is, but it's definitely going to change. It's going to have the same impact on humanity that, um, that the internet itself did. It, it's that powerful. It, it will end people's careers. It for sure, this one thing will end people's careers, people's products, people's services. It will end their careers for sure. Cybersecurity, uh, it's it's too nuanced for it to affect that direct to it to for it to replace all aspects of cybersecurity, I should say. Um, but it's it's a game. It is a game changer. You're right, D Truth. It is a game changer for sure. And I'll be doing a lot of videos on it because I'm discovering so many things about it. It's blowing it's blowing my mind. I'm using it for coding. I'm using it for Splunk. I'm using it for I mean, you can use it for anything. It's 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 incredible. It's a really good teaching tool, too. Uh, Falana says, thank you. Um, yes, I just finished my cybersecurity boot camp and risk management framework. Oh, that's awesome. Falana, if I might ask of where where are you based? Are you in the East Coast? Because that might help you. Let me see. I got a few questions. My phone is about to die, so I'm probably going to have to cut off um, the TikTok. But if you guys, this live ends, I'm, I'm still on YouTube, so you guys can check me out there or Facebook. Um, I'm actually conducting a live right there and tick in um, tweet, uh, Twitter tweets. <laughs> I'm on Twitter, too. OK, let me see. Um, I got an A plus a while back and I haven't even renewed it because most of the jobs don't care. Laughing. OK, yeah. Um, a plus is really good for entry level positions. Um, really, really good for entry level positions. It was my first certification. CompTIA A plus. Um, is it, it once you level up, you want to go to like a security plus? Security plus is much more marketable. Um, but A plus, if you know nothing, if you're just coming in cold, I would say A plus was great, great for me. And it it does have jobs. There are people who are looking for it, but it's usually jobs, you know, if you especially if you've been in this field for a while, it's not gonna really help you out. You know, security plus, on the other hand. That can that can help you out quite a bit. Falana says I'm in Boston. I'm in Boston. Okay. Um, hmm. Boston. Boston has some Massachusetts. That's a really good. That's a pretty good job market, I think. Hmm. Let me see. If I was looking for a job in Boston, let me just do some. Let me just do some messing around here. If I was looking for a help desk job in Boston. Boston, M.A. Um, I would do this. I would find job, Boston, and then I would look for a job with no experiences to check this out. Falana, you better get on this one. With some, somebody's going to take this right now. Hundreds of people are seeing this. See this job right here that just popped up 50,000 a year. No experience necessary. This is the kind of jobs you want to try out. Um, this right here is what you want to look for, Falana. Let's look into this one right here. This is an entry-level desk side support analyst making 50000 a year. Now, I know that's not enough to live on in Boston, but what we're trying to do, Falana, is this is – what we're trying to do is take one step forward, okay? So one step forward means getting our foot in the door so we can put this on our resume. That's all. All we're looking for, Falana, is to list these guys' company on our resume. Like, these guys are – 
Let me see. Who, who is this guy? Let me see. Let's just kind of look more deeply into this. 50,000 is a full-time job. Um, associates required um, work. They, sometimes they'll look past this, by the way. Associates required work authorization required one year of help desk qualification. Um, but it says no experience necessary. So I don't understand that. I would contact them is what I would do to figure out if they would take me. No, it says no experience needed. But then up here, it says one year experience qualification, uh, whatever. I would I would call them because it's a contradictum, contradiction. Um, but look at this. Yeah, that's one job. Let's look at another one in Boston. IT. Look at this one. It doesn't pay a lot. OK, but we're doing this so we can level up. All right. So um, here's another one. This is a two year contract um, and they're telling you your responsibilities, what you what you're going to do. Really important because we want more technical skills. And if all they're doing is having you be a secretary, you don't want that. So they're testing. I would call, see what get get more information from them directly from what's going on with this job. Um, let's see what else. There's only two. Falana that I saw for for that area, but let's look at maybe there's some more in my Massachusetts area because I know Boston's kind of all on top of each other. Look at all these other jobs here. There's uh, a thousand jobs, but let's look at ones that have no experience necessary. It's all it's the same too. So what we want to do here is I would look for IT support. Let's look at different keywords. So this is 700 jobs, and it's the same two, I think, experience, not necessary jobs, okay? There's one in Andover. There's one in Boston. Let's look at, um, what else can we put here? Just How about I just IT? 6,000 jobs list in IT. So let's see if we could find some that have no experience required. There's four. See, this is why you want to kind of use different keywords, because this one has four. One's application specialist. But it's saying no experience. So they, that means they might teach you. They might teach you on the spot. Here's another one. This is an IT uh, technician. I think this is the same one we were looking at before. It might be. Yeah, I think that's the same one we we're looking at before. This is a cloud engineer remote. <laughs> this was wrong because this is senior. But they're saying no experience necessary. So I don't know what that's all about. So you want to do this. And type in different things here. And I would also try um, dice. I would try dice. I would try um, all kinds of different sites and, and just trying to look, keep looking. All right. I'm about to end this on TikTok because my phone's about to die. But thank you guys for watching. I appreciate all you guys. If you guys want to continue to watch, I'll be on YouTube for some time. And um, you guys can check me out. Link in description above. Um, you can ask all your questions to me on Facebook or on TikTok. I appreciate everybody, but I'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Yeah, my phone's about to die, so I had to cut off uh, TikTok. Bear with me real quick. <laughs> this, is, this is the little rig that I use for TikTok. Let me see if I can show this. I'm going to do this on YouTube for a little bit longer. Um, let me just uh, plug this thing in. I need to find an easier way to to uh, to go on both platforms because it's kind of a pain to actually use that rig. And then it just goes out and I got to switch back and forth. I want to do everything on one. You guys know a way to do that? Because I've been trying to find a way to do both 
at the same time, but um, I'm still working on it. Uh, let me see if there's any other questions on, on YouTube. Appreciate you guys' questions. Thank you guys for watching. I appreciate it. Got my Security Plus, and it got me a lot of interviews. Yeah, Security Plus is no joke. Um, A Plus is kind of entry level. It's for people who really don't know anything. They're just trying to get their foot in the door. They're trying to get like low level positions like anything. Um, that's A plus. Great, great for learning. But marketability, that's that will be security plus. Security plus is very, very highly marketable. It's sought, it's highly sought after by government jobs, um, both state and federal government jobs. So yeah, security plus, I've had it for for I it was one of my first uh, certifications that I got and I had like I was teaching it for a while. So I had to get it like twice. I had to get like the original one that doesn't expire. And then I had to get the one that that does expire and it got to get CP CEUs for whatever they're calling them now. Um, but that's a very good certification that I would highly recommend anybody get. Um, yep, no problem. Um Bruce, I appreciate you. I was a bit frustrated. There are jobs out there for Lana, um, but you just got to look for them and just look on. Make sure you look on all platforms. Look on Dice. Look on Monster. Um, look on um, what are the other ones? Uh, of course, Indeed.com, um, LinkedIn. Uh, did I already say LinkedIn? I might have. And then uh, Career Builder. Uh, that's another good one. Those, those are the top ones. The one that has been probably the most effective for me for getting jobs is probably Monster and Dice. LinkedIn, I have a lot of connections with LinkedIn. I've got a lot of opportunities from LinkedIn. But the ones that I've gotten the most jobs that I worked for like a year or more have come from either Monster or Dice. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just the nature of my career path. But the same stuff I showed you how to do as far as searching for those entry level, no experience jobs, look up. Look, do that same thing across all those platforms and you will find something. It might not be something you like, but you will you will find something. And then you need to call them. You need to follow up, call them and say, hey, apply, apply for the job right on the site. Uh, put your resume on the site. That's another thing. Um, what you really, really got to do is this. This is people never listen to me when I tell them to do this, but I'm telling you this is what I do. I'm telling you exactly what I do, what is in my book. What I teach people, what I've been doing for years, I know it works. So once you find these jobs, right, you found these two no experience jobs that keep popping up. What you want to do is you want to put your entire profile, sign in and put your entire profile on this site. And you want to do the same thing with Dice and the same thing with LinkedIn. You want to put your entire profile and resume on that site. And then you can just hit apply now. And when you do this, it'll send your resume to this organization, not, not this one. This is a senior remote position. You don't want that one. You want this one right here. You want to put all your stuff, hit apply now, and then you want to follow up and call them and see what's going on. Like they should, sometimes they'll have a contact information, but the thing is they'll call you. They will contact you. You want to do this on all the platforms. All right, let me see. Are there any other questions here? And somebody said, uh, Falana also try to get assert like security plus while getting the experience yep that's that's also a good one that's a great great piece of advice because security plus is the truth and it, it's it's highly sought after let me just show you what i mean falana check this this is what they mean security plus and then look at security plus jobs no experience in ma watch this 
23,000 jobs. Look at this, Milana. 23, you see this? D-Truth ain't lying to you. It's 23,000 jobs just for Security Plus, right? Now, let's, let's narrow it down. Maybe this is a false positive. Maybe it's looking for anything that says security. Let's look for CompTIA Security Plus. Let's narrow the search. Let's make this play this fair. So now there's 174 jobs, still quite a bit. But how many of these don't require any experience? Uh, there's probably going to be a lot less <laughs> experience level. Um, there's only mid entry level. Let's look at entry level. 37 jobs, entry level jobs. So what you want to do after. So here's what I, my play would be this for Lana. I would first get my foot in the door at one of those other one of these other jobs. One of these low level jobs that are only paying like 50,000 a year or something like that. I'd, I'd work there for like, I don't know, as long as I could take it two, four months, six months, something like that. A year if it's great and it, it works out good, you know, stay there longer. But at some point you want to level up. Right. And once you level, once you get your security plus, you'll be able to level up and you you won't be you won't have to uh, filter this by no experience. You'll be able to experience by uh, entry level. Entry level jobs is a lot more that are going to be available to you. You'd be able to do the job like this that's paying uh, still still not great money. Um, but you're going to be able to get your foot in the door at a bank at a bank. This is a bank. And that bank experience is hot. Now look at this one: software security analyst entry level up to one hundred fifty thousand. Um, Ninety. Uh, this one's up to eighty thousand. This is an IT entry level job right here in Quincy, MA. You got another one here: um, IT infra infrastructure operations. Look at look at this. Look, this is this is this is what you want to get to. This is your next step, Falana. This is what you want to do next. It's, this is what you're. This is the path that you're going on. The first one is entry level. You know, it's not going to be a job you like necessarily, uh, but you're just trying to get that thing on your resume. Then you can level up to this, and from here, from here, I don't even want to show you what comes after this. You work here, one of these sixty-five thousand dollar jobs with your security plus or whatever fifty-five thousand dollar jobs. Your next step. After about a year of working at this place, or maybe not even a year, maybe six months, maybe four months, to be honest. Once you have that under your belt, you probably somebody offer you 70 to 80,000. I'm not exaggerating. You're in Boston. So there's there's some places they will offer you enough money that you'd be willing to move because the East Coast is no joke. I mean, at, am I lying, guys? Like there's some IT guys that are watching me right now. Um, so, OK, here. Next question is. Somebody said, hey, Bruce, I'm a security administrator for a large healthcare organization. Oh, healthcare, healthcare. Here we go. Um, I'm involved with a internal phishing simulation, security awareness training and TP uh, risk assessment. What job should I go? Should I go look for? Should I go for? Um, let me see. You're in a healthcare organization. Let me just see if I understand this correct. This correctly. You're in healthcare. You're a security administrator for a large healthcare organization. Okay, I'm involved with the internal phishing simulation, the security awareness training, and the risk assessment. What job should I go for next? Security control assessor. And let me show you why. 
Let me show you why. Security. If you missed it, I was actually did a breakdown of security control assessor. It's something I've done for quite some time. Um, security. Security. There's a couple names for it. Assessor. Auditor. Well, let's just let's just start with security control assessor. Let me show, show you what I'm talking about here. Um, the reason why I say security control assessor is it's going to open you up to other industries besides the healthcare industry because some industries pay a lot better than the healthcare industry. In the in the healthcare industry, the doctors are the freaking pilots. What I mean is, in the Air Force, I was I was a grunt in the Air Force. I, I did. Um, <laughs> Let me just explain myself real quick. So in, in the military, I was in, I was in the Air Force, and uh, the pilots were the guys who made all the money. They got all the chicks. They got they got everything. Like all the money, every the whole infrastructure was made for the pilots, and they knew it. They were like they're like celebrities. They were like Beyonce when they walk on the base. <laughs> Everything's catered to them. Like the stages, the lighting, everything's for them. They're you know they make the most money. Even other officers were like, oh, wow, it had stars in their eyes when they're looking at the pilots. The pilots, they're all like, and they all think they're Tom Cruise. They walk around in their freaking shades and their jacket. You know, they're all cool and stuff. So in the hospital, it's the doctors that are like that. You know, they're the they're the tall dude that walks in. And all the girls are like, ah, oh, all the nurses and shit. You know, they're the, they're the pilots. <laughs> but in other industries, um, you are on a higher echelon as a cybersecurity person. And one of those is uh, cybersecurity risk analysis. You're, you, you are the go-to person. It, consulting lends itself to that, to that attitude. It sh kind of shifts where you're not necessarily the pilot, but you're like the co-pilot. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, anyway, get off my soapbox here. Let me show you what I'm talking about here. Security control assessor. All right. So there's a lot of other industries that pay a lot better. And you'll see what I mean here. It security control assessors opens up to a whole range of different things. So this right here is the this I believe is government. Um, this is also government. This is a university. This is uh, I don't even know what this one is. Um, this might be like a research facility or something. I don't know what this is either. So you can see like it kind of opens up. You're not just stuck in healthcare. Not not to say that you are right now, but once you open yourself up to assessment cuz you've already done assessments. That's what I'm what I'm getting at is you've already been doing assessments and these are the kinds of assessments that are that are um that are available here. I mean I mean the kind of assessments that you're doing is the stuff that they're looking for, the skill set they're looking for. So um, it's a great way to bridge like you're going from security administrator where you're probably doing mostly uh, I don't I'm not sure what you're doing, but servers or something. I don't know. But phishing assessments. Um, and risk assessments is kind of. Is it's going to open up the market much more for you. So I would put a lot of that stuff in there and, and maybe shoot for some kind of security control assessor uh, role. And, and it's going to open you up to something like auditing. Like auditing is another is another um, thing that they call it. Auditing, uh, quality control. 
I believe you can do PCI compliance with auditing. All kinds of stuff opens up. So that's what I would recommend. That that's one direction you could go. Um, risk. That's another one. Risk management. Uh, risk. Um, cybersecurity risk assessments. Um, there's so many different things you can do with just your experience doing. Just putting that on your resume and having a technical background will help you to go right into security control assessors and assessor type work. So that's just just my two cents. Is that you know it just tell me if it goes well for you like if you start getting officers off offers offers or if you get um, actually a job just let me know like I want to know how it goes for you. Let me see. D True says the East Coast is definitely a good place for opportunities in different areas of IT, especially in the government contracting sector, DC, Virginia area especially absolutely this man knows what he's talking about there's a certain parts of the of america of the of the world really that lend themselves to especially to our field the stuff we're talking about here cybersecurity and one of them um is the east coast in the world on planet earth right now on planet and this is going to shift at some point but on planet earth on this planet that we live on the best the most hottest markets on earth that's going to pay you the most that's going to have the most jobs that's going to have the most money available the most contracts the most everything is dc virginia maryland area and it, the surrounding areas too i would i would include massachusetts in there i would include probably some parts of new england that area um maybe even up to new york like there's a, that whole area has the most cybersecurity jobs. And the reason why is because that's where most of the tax dollars go for contracts. And think about it. The U.S. spends the most amount of money on their military, on their infrastructure than any country times 10. I think that if you combine all the countries, including China, Japan, Germany, all the top countries, if you combine all those together, it's not even close to how much the U.S. spends on our, our military, our government, infrastructure. It's not even close. Com combined, we spend more than them combined. That money goes to contractors mostly. Contracting for aerospace, for the military, for FBI, CIA, all everything, NSA, research. All that money, all that trillions of dollars, not all of it. I mean, a, a large percentage <laughs> of those of that money of the tax dollars goes to the infrastructure of the United States, which uses it for conducting research on government road infrastructure or doing the FDA or the DEA or the, or DEA, DHS or Department of Homeland Security, you know, protecting the borders of the U.S., different bases across, you know, everything like this, all this money goes. And here's why it's there. It's, it's because Washington, D.C. has the Senate. It has the legislative branch. Um, Maryland and Virginia have Quantico, which is like FBI or CIA or something like NSA is there. All of those three level letter agencies are all housed in that area. Uh, there's several different um heads of of different branches of the military there uh there's 
like there's so much government infrastructure that's there. That's why there's so much tax dollars that that find their way there. That's why they have the most on Earth. I'm talking about on planet Earth. It's the hottest area that there is. The most cybersecurity people, the most mathematicians. Did you know this? The mo Listen to what I'm telling you. The most mathematicians are employed. If you don't believe me, Google it. The most mathematicians that are employed are in that area. It's not, it's not professors. It's not teaching. The most mathematicians are going in that area for working for the government. They're doing uh, statistics. They're doing, um, uh, I don't know, uh, cryptography. They're doing all kinds of stuff with math. Like, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. But right now on Earth, I mean, the only second place on Earth that might be bigger would be other places in the United States, maybe Colorado, maybe parts of California, maybe Texas, Plano, Texas might be a, a fourth one. And then outside of the U.S., probably somewhere in China. I mean, because just just looking at the numbers and how much money is being spent by any government in the world, like. Yeah, that's what's happening right now. Like we're living kind of in a golden age of cybersecurity. Um, you can't see it from it's it's hard to see when you're on the chessboard. But if you you zoom out, you'll see that right now, like it's a it's a gold rush for cybersecurity. And people are getting paid. You know, it's not like Google. It's not like Fang where people are getting 200. $250,000 in benefits and stock options and stuff like that. But there, I will say this, there are people doing cybersecurity, what we're doing, contractors who are making 200000 easy. A lot of those guys are working overseas. Like they, they get tax breaks for working overseas, but they're making $200,000. I met some of these guys, $250,000 to work in, in different locations around the world. So it's not out of the it's not out of the picture. And actually, there's some people on the East Coast who are making 200000 So, yeah. Okay. Let me see here. Um, Where do you see yourself in the next five years in cybersecurity? Um, in the next five years in cybersecurity, um, I see myself um, probably having my own corporation that does cybersecurity, if I'm being perfectly honest. Um, I had an epiphany. Like I wrote, I wrote a couple of policies for some organizations, and they paid me a whole bunch of money. And so I was thinking, why? What the? What am I doing? Why am I doing these live streams? I, <laughs> I'm like, what? What am I doing with my life? Like I could be, what am I doing? So probably in the next five years, I'm gonna test it out, see how it goes. But I'll probably do B2B and write directly, go directly to companies, and then write them policies. Right, like the one-offs, like, hey, I'll write your policy. I'll write this. I'll write that. I'm something I'm really good at. Probably in the next five years, that's probably what I'll be doing. I mean, I, and being an author, I've started selling books. Like, I'm surprised by how many people are buying those books. Um, my, my risk management framework book is selling. My um, my cybersecurity jobs book is selling. It's probably one of those two things I think will happen. But we'll see. I mean, I don't know. You know, like maybe a, the cost of living here in the U.S. is so high that if I can't if I can't make a certain amount work working a certain amount of hours, then I'll probably I'll probably leave the United States and go to uh, um, somewhere. And probably I'll probably live live in either Ghana. 
Thailand. Uh, Philippines had a lot of problems, but maybe the Philippines. Um, somewhere in Southeast Asia, somewhere in West Africa. I got to check it out. I haven't been there yet. Or maybe South America, like Costa Rica. So I would live in a, a cheaper place, like a better cost of living place. But right now, you know, I'm a single father. I got stuff to do here, so I can't really leave right now. So um, that's probably what I would do in five within five years. I kind of got it mapped out, but we'll see. I got a plan A, B, C through Z. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Appreciate that question. Um, let me see. Aaron says, I just landed an ISO role. Thanks for Thanks you. Thanks to you and God. Wow. That's a crazy thing to say. I'm connected to you on LinkedIn and the info, the info that you provided there helped me greatly. I recommended your course to everyone I know. Thanks, man. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate that, man. I'm trying to help as many people as I can, especially us. Like I know we, we have it hard, man. We, we're playing this game of life on level hard, if you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I'm trying to help us. You know what I mean? I mean, really, every I'm trying to help everybody, but us in particular, you know, we need some we need some help. We got to help each other because nobody's coming for us. So that's that's why I do this. Uh, Quantico, UCM, uh, USMC and FBI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was trying to think of right there. Thanks for the virus. I met a guy. Who uh, who does cybersecurity in Dell in Texas makes two hundred and fifty a year. He has a bachelor's from a WGU. <laughs> I love stories like that. That's awesome, man. That's that's incredible. Um, yeah, I met a few people who are making um, in the two hundreds. Uh, most of them were overseas. Were making that tax free money, and. Um, but there's been a couple that that I know of who was making that kind of money, like one, one ninety with some benefits. They were making over two hundred and stuff like that. Working for government type positions, um, working contracts. Probably the biggest ballers I met were people who have a business and they they were they are the contractor. Which I don't like. I've been trying to look into that. I don't know like if I could. I'm looking into it. I don't know. Where that's going, what direction that's going to go in. But um, I, the biggest ballers who are making like, you know, like upwards of seven figures are are contractors. Like they run a contractor organization and they they are. They are getting contracts. They don't talk a lot. You know what I mean? They're, they're not doing a lot of this kind of stuff. They're not telling people what they do because they don't want to make more competition for themselves. You know, so. <laughs> Um, D Truth says, uh, I've got a, a lot to offer in I got a lot of offers in Colorado last year. So I think I really um I, I, I think it really uh, it's really about the skills and experience, and you will have a choice. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's so true. Uh Yasser Ghana, you will love it. I'm gonna write that down. Yasser Ghana, you will love it. Okay, yeah, I've been thinking about Ghana a lot because um, they're giving a, they're giving citizenship to African Americans, and then there's land there and stuff. So I've been actually really been thinking about it quite a bit to 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 make a to just think about like I just need to see the culture and everything, you know, and get familiar with it and see like the people and everything. Anytime I travel to a new country, I, I it's really important how the people are, like how the 
the infrastructure is important too. Don't get me wrong, but the pe for me, the most important thing is how the people behave around foreigners and to see like what's their because I've been to places that were nice but weren't weren't nice to foreigners. Like if you weren't one of them, then uh, one of the places that I went to was Hong Kong. I did not feel welcome in Hong Kong at all. Um, I did not feel welcome in Hong Kong, and this was before China took over. Um, and then uh, other places I've been to that I didn't like I didn't really feel like I could live there, but it was nice to visit was Germany. I, I don't feel like I could live there, but it was beautiful. It was all clean and the people were actually very nice. It just it was something about it that I was like, I don't know what it is here. I think it's because I don't speak fluent German. They really want you to speak Dutch there. Deutsch, Deutschland wants you to speak German. So, you know, if you don't speak it, then they're kind of like you're an Auslander. You know what I mean? Like you're not welcome and japan too like as much as i love japan it was the same kind of feeling that i had there if you don't speak fluent japanese and really if you don't if you're not a japanese person there's so many places that i've been that are ethno nationalists um and i'm not saying that's you know evil or bad or whatever that's their country they're entitled to believe and be do whatever they want but then it's not like america where you it's it's a melting pot like for all the problems we have here you can go somewhere and see every race every every part and you can you can get ahead you can see a person being a senator here regardless of their asian black whatever right but if you go to japan you're not going to be a black senator there you know what i'm saying you're not going to be you, it's not like that there you know or germany you, you might see a black mayor or something maybe i don't know but it's germany you know what i'm saying <laughs> like i it's like there's a lot of places in the world where if you, you're you're never gonna be a German, uh, probably Germany's a little bit more progressive, but like you're not gonna be, I mean, a Chinese, a black person who is Chinese. They they have a few. Don't get me wrong. There's some celebrities there. There's like three that are black or or white or whatever, and they are Chinese citizens. But you're never gonna be accepted by that culture in mass. But here in the U.S. or in Canada or in maybe Australia, you can become a national. You can you they'll consider you a citizen even if you're wherever you come from. So I want I hope Ghana is like that. But, we'll, you know, I don't know how welcome a foreigner would be. But I and before I go there, I'll probably learn the language and, and like learn the customs and eat the food. And because that's how I do it. I, I go there for the for the. I, to be a part of the human fabric, you know, like I want to, I want to engage with the community more and be a part of them and see how they, how it feels. That's, that's how I do it. I don't go there just to exploit people or, you know, just to get what I can get and leave. Like I'm trying to live, I'm trying to live, I'm trying to find a better place than the U.S. Like as much as I, I love the U.S., but if I can find a better place, you best believe I'm, I'm the F up out of here. <laughs> uh west west africa yeah 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 uh let me see d true says um i got a lot of job offers in colorado and texas in the last year so i think i were really um i'm thinking about really okay i think i read that one um i'm close to 200 now damn damn smooth virus <laughs> I don't know what to say, man. <laughs> Lots of immigrants from Ghana in the DMV. Yeah, 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 yeah. And them, them, um, them African immigrants aren't playing, man. 
they're not they're not playing right now the place i'm working at there's quite a bit of um african immigrants and they're killing it they're killing it they just got here and they're like yeah i want that top job right there yeah give me that top give me that high paying stem job right there you know jobs we take for granted as americans who are fifth seventh eighth generation americans whatever it is they just come here and they're like yep i'll take that six figure job right there y'all don't want it okay give it to me and then they'll go take it and like start a business or something i i, I really admire um i really really admire the work ethic of uh, immigrants especially from from africa um there are a lot of good um, Ghana restaurants in Alexander. Oh, man, that's great, man. I've had um, Ethiopian food before. I would like to try uh, food from other places in, in West Africa. Um, Aaron says, do you have any tips on working for yourself doing security in G, uh, GRC? And um, I have a security clearance and would love to work for myself as a sub. Um I got a couple tips. This is one of the things I talked about in a recent book that I wrote about working from home. Um, so here's what I learned. I've been doing this for a bit. A um, couple tips is number one, if you can land a solid work from home job, uh, one that's not, one that's, some cybersecurity jobs are very stressful and I mean, it's going to take up every minute of your day, but there's some that are, how do I put this agile, where it's based off of uh, your, what you can, what you can deliver. You know, it's not based off of you be sitting in a chair and being logged in 24 hours. It's like, they say, look, here are your deliverables. If you do these, you can, if you do this in three hours, cool. If you do it, if it takes you 10 hours, cool, just get it done in X amount of time. Here's your date to get these things done and do it, right? So there, it's based off of your performance and what you can deliver rather than you sitting in a chair and being available all, at all times to a client. So um, you want to get one of those jobs. If a work from home job that's based off of your what you deliver and not off of you sitting in a chair being logged in 24-7 for a client. If you can get that, then the next step is you could do some you could do like a side job you could do a side now you want to make sure of course it's legal because you don't want to do any non-competes like you want to have you want to work for two competing companies right you're probably not going to be able to work for google and facebook or something like working on their both of their search algorithms when they said you're not allowed to and you signed an agreement saying i will not I will not work for a competing organization. I will not work for, you know, don't do it. It's, that's illegal. But <laughs> and then sometimes they'll literally say, no, you're not allowed. You're explicitly denied from working from any other company. You will work for us for 40 hours a week, blah, blah, blah. Like if you sign anything like that, don't don't do anything I'm about to tell you. But if not and you can get a, a job that's performance based, that's working from home, what you can do is a side hustle where you're doing side work for another organization. Um, do I recommend this? I do not. But And the reason why I don't is because it's very difficult. It's very difficult to do. And you're you're working your ass off. Now, if you're a single dude, you got nothing to lose. Like me, I'm a single, I'm a father of two. This not advisable for a guy like me, right? Who's in my old age already. But a young dude who's single, who's just, just, that's all you're doing. You're on your grind. This is who I'm talking to. 
um, do a part time, another part time job. Let that part time job know this is part time. So that way they're not like, hey, we need you right now. You know, you can just be like, hey, this is a part time job. I work 10 hours a week or whatever. I'm working. I'm doing this job on Fridays at, after four or whatever. I'm doing it on Saturdays and Sundays. I will deliver this to you guys on Monday, whatever. That other job, let them know what's going on. All right. So that's that's how you can start doing your own stuff. What I'm what I'm suggesting is don't just quit your job and be like, OK, I'm going to start this new uh, contracting work, you know, and then cut all your funding like you want to use this money to fund your own stuff. Use your personal income from this company that's your main job uh, to fund this other side thing hustle that you're doing. And that side hustle, let it grow. Once it grows to a certain point, then you can, maybe you can shift over to there. Maybe you can do less of this and more of this, you know, so don't cut your, don't, do not cut your day job. Do, don't do it. Um, do not do it. Let this one grow. And then when you're ready, when you have money in the bank, you have, you know, have crazy debt, you have a house or whatever, like it's already paid down to where it's a manageable amount of rent or mortgage or whatever, you've got your bills under control and you have a budget and now you can live off this income and you have savings or whatever, you're good, then you can try that. But don't, don't, do not quit your day job. <laughs> don't, don't do it. <laughs> um, let me see. He said, uh, have, I have a security clearance and would love to work for myself. Um, another thing is security clearance, like um, you it's going to give you more opportunities to do this kind of stuff because what you'll find what will happen is once you start putting yourself out there to do this, like part-time jobs, you can find part-time jobs, man. Like check, check this out. Let me show you. Let me put you on some more game. If you just type in like this cyber, let me make the screen bigger. Check this out. You just type in cybersecurity. I'm, I'm afraid to do this because I'll find something I'm sure. Security analyst, right? Now check this out. Now you can just go here and type in, and you can do this on dice or whatever. You can do this on so many different um, type of job. Here it is right here. Part-time. These guys are looking for part-time people. They're not looking for full-time people. Look look at the, look how they're, now this is not what we're looking for. This is auditing. That's why <laughs> I changed my stuff. Cybersecurity. This is part, type in cybersecurity. Like that. Okay. And this is in MA. You type your location wherever you're at. You can find part time jobs where you're just, well, hell, let me just switch it again. Okay. Part time. Five part time jobs. Here we go. Here we go. So these part time jobs, you would, these guys, sometimes they're just looking for a dude to do some work, some quick work for them. They're not looking for a full time person. So they're not expecting you to work hella hours. So you could like do this as a part time job, put it under LLC, some kind of LLC, do on 1099s. And then, you know, you've got a side hustle right there. That's one thing you could do. You know, just, I don't know, throwing ideas out there. Uh, only thing is don't burn yourself out. You know, um, like I said, it's different for me because I'm I already got I got kids. I got all these obligations You know, I got to have health care. Like if you don't care about all that kind of stuff, then you could actually do that full. You could do a bunch of part-time jobs. You can do like three, think about it. You can do three part-time jobs, no full-time jobs. If you're not worried about benefits and healthcare and stuff, 
just some ideas. <laughs> uh, let me see. Ghana's a great place to live. Oh, have you been there before? I'd like to know more about it. Um, let me see. You will love Ghana. They accept foreigners better than the locals. Wow. Okay, I'm going to have to check it out. I'm going to have to hang out there someday. Ghana is great. You'll love it, the culture and the people. Wow. I mean, I've been watching videos about it, and I see all these American expats that are going over there from all over, from UK, from America, from Canada, going over there, like, buying property and, like, building houses and stuff and, like, helping the local community. I'm like, damn, that's, you know, I like to, I like to do that. And then they're like, you can actually purchase land there and stuff. I'm like, hmm, maybe. Maybe, you know, for the future. So I've been thinking about it pretty heavy um, and watching videos and doing some research and stuff. And um, the next thing is probably just to get somebody I know and trust there and then just go meet up with them. And that's how I normally do it when I go to another country. And then they just take me around, just check some stuff out for like a couple of days and then just see, get a vibe. You know, because, you know, you go to places, I don't know, for you guys who travel, I'll go to a country and I'll get like a this immediate like vibe. Like I went to places I really loved as soon as I got there. I really loved Japan, but wasn't a place I would want to live. But I really I don't know what it was about. it. I just really loved it. Another place I went to was Thailand. I, when I got there, I was like really, really in love with with Thailand. Um it's just like the people are so are so nice. They're so they're so good. Um, Philip Cebu Philippines Cebu, not necessarily the rest of the Philippines, but Cebu. <laughs> I had some bad experience with the rest of uh, with Manila in particular, but Cebu. I love that. I would totally live in Cebu Philippines. That's why I'm always there. I love the people. I, I love the place. The food is so good. Like everything about Cebu, I love it. And then um, other places I've been to that I didn't like, Hong Kong, I didn't like at all. Um, I did not like anything about Kong, Hong Kong. The inference is beautiful. It's a beautiful place. Um, the people look good. They don't, they don't, they're not very kind. Um, but, you know, I just didn't like it. Um, and then another one was uh, Ho Chi Minh, Vietnam. <sighs> wow, it was, it was rough. <laughs> it was rough. It was rough. I planned to stay there for like a week and I didn't last. I didn't last two days. And I, I don't know, man, it was bad. It was for me. It just had a bad experience. So I didn't like it. But I've been to many different countries and um, there's some places that you just get a vibe and you either like it or you don't. And then the people the, for me, the biggest factor is the people. Like if people are trying to rip you off everywhere you go and they treat foreigners like bad, then that tells me a lot about how they care about humans. They don't they don't really give a damn, you know. It's any it's like any place, right? I'm sure there's places in Vietnam that are incredible and places in within Hong Kong that are incredible. But it's just like the US. If you go to Hawaii, it's a completely different experience than if you go to Missouri, than if you go to New York. It's just a whole different feeling if you go to if you know, so Maybe that experience, I'll probably go back to Vietnam one of these days and go to another place there or something. But I really want to go to Ghana. Like Ghana has is, is been on my mind to go there because it just seems like a the vibe that I would like. So we'll we'll see.
Um, all right, I think that's it, guys. Thank you guys for watching. I think I've been I've been on here about about an hour and a half. I appreciate everybody who's watching. Um, thank you guys for all the great comments. A uh, smooth virus, man. Damn, we gotta we gotta I gotta ask you some questions, man. I'm I'm curious now. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you guys for watching. I appreciate everything, um, all the support, all the love, all the comments and stuff. Um, much appreciated. I got another video coming out. I'll, I'll do on Monday, possibly Sunday. I don't know. Stay tuned. Um, we'll see. But thank you guys so much. I'm out of here. Have a great weekend.